We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter, who is back from one of my favorite cities in America, if not the world, Austin, Texas. How was Austin, Kyle? Austin was great. Uh, my expectations were probably uh, different than they should have been for going on a vacation with kids. It's not really a vacation. It's an adventure. It's a trip. It's it's something other than a vacation. It's not refreshing, not re-energizing, but it was fun, and we got to go to some fun places. The kids enjoyed it. We played uh, we played mini golf with Nolan Cox, um, yeah. f- friend of both. Your- he said he said that he hangs out with you more than he hangs out with some of his friends in Austin. That's true. Every time I'm down there, I hit him up. Um, it's funny. <laughs> You got you guys are better friends, but I feel like I hang out with them more than you do now. That's that's probably true. But he uh, he fell apart on the back nine of mini golf, so I beat him. We played with handicaps, so uh, my oldest son actually ended up winning, uh, and we went to get ice cream sandwiches afterwards. So it was a great time. There's so many cool. The hard part about Austin, and I, I'm sure you probably feel this way as well. There's so many different places to go and things to see. You never know like which one to go to, and. Mm-hmm. Then you leave and you're like, did I did I go to all the right places? Um, but no, we we had a good time. It was mostly good weather. We stayed at a cool place, and uh, yeah, it was good to turn the phone off and get away for a while. It certainly helps having a local kind of show you around. One of my yeah. best friends has lived there for ten years since college, and so he, I've seen it all and done it all in Austin thanks to him. But like when I was in New York for the Heisman, my friend that lives there was not in town, and. Uh, I didn't know where to go. I didn't have yeah. a local to like tell me where to go. So I had to like go online and those reviews are always, you know, who knows if it's good or bad. So Right. Right. You weren't you weren't exactly talking me into kids there at the beginning of your story, but it, it rounded out nicely with the well, ice cream sandwiches. You know what the most fun thing we did was? And I, I hate admitting this because I'm not I'm not in on any of this. I'm not like uh, I, I, I just I feel ambivalent about all of it is uh, have you heard of the uh, the Magnolia thing in Waco? Uh, I have heard of it. I've never been there. Yeah, neither had I. And we stopped there on the way down and I I went in with low expectations. I didn't really, you know, I was just kind of like, whatever. Uh, it turned out to be pretty cool. And there weren't a lot of people there when we went and the kids enjoyed it. We played soccer, uh, on this huge like field that they had. Uh, we got good food there. It was it was it was pretty fun. It was pretty awesome. They said they they told me they sell eight to nine thousand cupcakes a day at that place. Wow. Yeah. You did the but, math on that, right? Isn't that like thirty grand a day? Yeah. It, it's uh, it's it's a little more than PFB makes. <laughs> uh, no, but it it was it was fun. Austin was great. Good to see Nolan. And uh, yeah, it's it's it is sort of. Uh, I don't know. A little re-energizing to return to work, though, and not have to be chasing kids around all day. I could not be a, a stay-at-home mom. It would be, or a stay-at-home dad, for that matter. It would be really difficult. For people who don't know, Nolan is Mason Cox's brother. He walked on the basketball team. Did, does Mini Putt Putt? Do they have putters for six foot six dudes? <laughs> he was at a severe handicap. You, you said you used handicaps. Did you factor that in as well? Well, he was talking trash on the front, and then he just got. He he, Jordan Spieth the back at Augusta. He just fell Oof. apart on the back nine, <laughs> and of course, like my son's talking trash to all of us, and it was it was pretty hilarious. That's that's awesome. Well, you didn't miss much uh, last night with the Oklahoma State taking on Nebraska. And no, I think only four players, Kyle, scored more than five points. 
it's not good. And, you know, it, it's uh, I, I think this is more extreme than I thought it would be when I've been saying that I thought Oklahoma State was going to be this was going to be their worst year under Boynton for as long as he's in Stillwater. Uh, they're they're not going to be good this year, and and it seems like right now that unless something big changes, they're they're pretty clearly the worst team in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and i I didn't see that coming. I thought they I thought they were playing so much better at the beginning of the year, and I thought Marshall Scott brought up a great point in the uh, in the Slack chat, and, and this, it's pretty simple. I mean, Oklahoma State does not have a bucket getter. I yeah. mean, Kendall Smith was that guy last year. Jeffrey Carroll as well. Who, who, when they, when the shot clock's winding down, is going to get the ball and go score when things break down? They're, the answer right now is nobody. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like your NA. I think he's been a pleasant surprise. But past that, Cam McGriff's had his moments. Past that, it's been a pretty disappointing year from really every, the entire team. I mean, Dezogwa's falling off a cliff with his shooting. I mean, it's, it's, it's really bad. And you might be right about this being the worst season under... Mike Boynton. I thought it was interesting. You know, Nathan Ruiz tweeted out that I guess one of the Big Ten announcers said that the hiring of of Mike Boynton's just not working out, which is funny and it's clearly he hasn't really been immersed in OSU basketball. But doesn't it seem like to you, Kyle, if if you if you knew nothing about OSU and you just looked at their resume, what they did last year, missing the tournament, their record this year, if you weren't if you aren't in it involved with it like we are day to day, you could you could make that argument, could you not? Obviously, I don't agree with that, and I'm sure people were irate with that comment on Twitter. But just on the surface, it, it would seem like that, don't you think, to an outsider looking in, to borrow Gundy's expression? Well, it it is interesting because their trajectory right now in terms of wins and losses is not like you don't want to go backwards, which is what they're doing. Uh, but like you said, if you're not the reason it's not super alarming is because of what they have coming in next year. And and this was sort of the a point I brought up in the bullets today. I wrote the bullets this morning was in college basketball. This thing can change in a hurry. I mean, you can be, you can be bad one year and then you get, you get one guy, you get two guys in the next year. All of a sudden you're pretty good because that that's, that's how, College basketball can just – it's much more easily affected by one or two guys than a college football team. And so I think I think that's the part where I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. Like 2018-19, I'm not expecting much. I don't really care that much if they're good or bad because you look at next year and you're like, okay, that's when they need to start producing. And I think – I mean, I think it's next year that's a, a not not a pivotal year for Mike Boynton, but I don't know. They need to make they need to contend for or or make the tournament in in twenty twenty. I think, and I think he knows that, and I think they're working toward that. Yeah, I mean, he's still for the most part playing with another coach's players. I mean, I know he was on the staff with with Underwood, but uh, it is kind of that that weird middle ground. It's it's almost in a way kind of like Gundy's first year. In yeah. football where you just you inherited a bunch you're trying to instill your own program essentially but you're still kind of waiting for your recruits for that two or three year cycle to where you have all of your own players that that seems like what, what it appears to me and it, it does seem like it's gonna be a very long year doesn't does it not yeah it does it, it that's an interesting point about Gundy it would have been like his second year kind of if he hadn't remember he kicked everybody off the team basically and they, they would have had some guys like from that from the end of the Les miles era but then they 
they got rid of them all essentially. And they were so bad that first year that it almost made the second year look, look better than it probably was. And I know they went to a bowl the second year, but yeah, that's a, that's a pretty, um, that's a pretty interesting uh, comparison there. Do you think Nebraska likes playing in the big 10 basketball? I know they don't in football, but I do what, think why, it, do you, why were they playing in South Dakota, by the way? I, I must've missed this. I, I don't, I don't know, but do you, do you think any of the teams that left the big 12 are, I guess A&M is, is pleased with how everything turned out, but is Colorado is Nebraska is, is Missouri. I would say no on everybody but a and I think A&M's thrilled. Uh, they just hired Jimbo Fisher. They're spending all this money. They, I think they finished second in the SEC West this year. Uh, and I think they were glad to get away from Texas. But Missouri has no natural rival. They are, so, they are such an outcast in SEC country. I think they totally – they don't even play Kansas anymore, which is like the only rivalry they've ever cared about. Um, Colorado, they're kind of just middling in the Pac-12. I think they would be better served to come back as well. But, uh, no, I think it's been a mistake for everybody, but I think um, A&M. Nebraska, I think it's hurt the most by far. I mean, yeah. they have no recruiting ties down here now. They're stuck up there in the in recruiting wasteland of the Big Ten. And their football program is completely irrelevant now. And I think Scott Frost will do a good job. And, and frankly, all he has to do is go beat up on that horrible, horrible division in the, in the Big Ten, and they'll be fine. But, yeah. but uh, it's, been a, it's been a disaster for everyone it's a, it's been bad for A&M too, but I think they like the money aspect of the SEC. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Let's talk a little bit about, we're going to, we're going to have Kyle Boone on in a few minutes to talk about national. I, I, is it called national signing day? Whatever the early signing day that's happening on Wednesday of this <laughs> week when guys can sign early. It's basically when Oklahoma state signs all of their guys anyway. So we're going to talk to him uh, more specifically about that. But I did want to talk uh, real quick about uh, Brennan Costello, who is the quarterback for this recruiting cycle. He's a kid out of California, had an offer from Georgia. Scott Wright of the Oklahoman wrote a really good article uh, about him. I think it was on Sunday. I linked it in the bullets this morning. But he's a pretty interesting dude. He grew up in the Northeast, I think in, in uh, Massachusetts, moved out to Cali when he was, I think, 13 or 14 somewhere around there and uh, has been, has, has obviously thrived out there uh, getting, getting a scholarship to Oklahoma state, getting an offer from Georgia uh, has become a really good player. Uh, but the thing that actually stood out to me about the article Carson was uh, he was talking about, he was asked about uh, the Yurcich to Tennessee rumors. Cause Yurcich was kind of his guy or is his guy uh, in terms of recruiting. And he said, <laughs> He said, that's something I kind of block out. It's part of the business, but I haven't heard much about it. I block out the noise and focus on the things I can control. I'm not worried about it at all. I'm not a big Twitter person. I don't use it much. I'm sure Coach Gundy will appreciate that, <laughs> uh, which which made me laugh. But it, it also highlighted that he's he's uh, entering the spring semester, which I, I don't know if I totally knew. Uh, but, you know, I think you're going to have now – I don't know that it's a three-man race for the QB job. I think it's Spencer, Spencer Sanders' job to lose, but it is kind of interesting that you throw yet another guy into this uh, into this QB derby in the spring. Very interesting. I mean, again, this is another example of the really good job that Mike Yersich is doing, recruiting quarterbacks. I mean, this guy was under the radar and has since got offers from Georgia, um, programs like that. So I... I mean, I'm intrigued by him. I, I know Dustin Ragusa is super high on him. He kind of jokingly says he's going to be the starter next year, which 
I think we all agree that Gundy's made it clear he doesn't want to start a true freshman, let alone one over Spencer Sanders. But no, that that's an interesting it's gonna be an interesting battle for not just this year, but the years to come, right? I mean it kinda of, in a way it, it harkens back to I, I believe Bobby Reed and Zach Robinson. I mean two you know, I think Costello's a similar recruit to Zach, and I think Spencer's a similar recruit to Bobby as far as just where they're ranked uh, star wise and, and nationally. So it'll be good to have someone to push Spencer along with Drew Brown. I don't know what they're doing with Drew Brown, but he'll be there. <laughs> and you, uh, I'm intrigued by him. I, I watched some of his highlights, Kyle. He, he can spin it, man. He, he threw some deep balls that were just tight, tight spirals. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what Costello can do. And he can move a little bit, too. The real question is, can he beat out Gunnar Gundy in 2021? <laughs> the answer to that is no. Uh, the answer to that is Brandon Whedon could come back and he couldn't beat out Gunnar Gundy. <laughs> that is your day one starter. That is Gundy's. Gundy has so much built up equity. You know, we all talk, we talk about it all the time. That's going to be his last. You know, I'm, I'm last doing move. what I want. I'm his, doing what I want. I'm going out on my terms, and I'm going out with my son as the quarterback. His checkmate of Mike Holder is starting Gunnar Gundy as a freshman. We're not scared. Yeah. We're not scared to play freshman. Well, you kind of were. So yeah. That's going to be interesting. I mean, technically, Spencer will be a redshirt freshman. Does that count? Yeah, I, yeah, I have no idea. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've given up on trying to figure out all that stuff. Uh, speaking of trying to figure stuff out, OKC Dave did a a post-regular season football survey, and he threw in some basketball, too. Dave always does that great, uh, just huge, exhaustive survey of Oklahoma State fans before the season. But he hasn't really done a follow-up. Usually his follow-up is the following year, essentially. But he did one kind of in between. And I don't know if you got a chance to take a look at it, but I, I wrote a little bit about it on Monday. And the results were pretty interesting because it, there, there were some things that stood out in terms of kind of taking the temperature of how OSU fans feel about some of the coaches, the way the program performed this year. And I think maybe the thing that stood out most to me is – uh, if you look at Mike Gundy's approval rating, so the question is, do you approve of Mike Gundy's job as head coach? And when he asked that question in August, or maybe it was in September, no, it was in August, uh, 96% said, I approve. 2% said, disapprove, and 2% said, unsure, which I don't know what there is to be unsure about. Uh, but then when he, when he uh, redid the poll in December, only 54% of people that took the took the survey approved. 24% said they disapprove of Mike Gundy's job, and 22% were unsure. Does that do those numbers surprise you? Yeah, I mean, did I think they would be down a little after going six and six? Absolutely. Did I think it would be that much of an overreaction? No, I thought that was that was. I mean, how do you go from 96% to 54%? in just it, one season it is kind of staggering although i guess it is sort of a there's no sliding scale like there's no it's a yes or no question and so right be, because i guess you could put unsure so there's really three options but i think because of that you see a bigger you see a bigger disparity and and i think also people sort of maybe took it as only looking at 2018 and not his job as a whole which i i understand but it was, I mean, still, like, despite all those things, the numbers were stunning to look at. Yeah, and it, it does show you that things can turn quick on, on approval ratings with, with college football. And college football is such a, 
you know, what have you done for me lately, sport? You know, Gundy always talks about, you know, hell, they, they want to bring someone else in here, think they can do better, might as well. You know, like, <laughs> it, it shows you that, you know, tide can turn very quickly and, and fan bases can get upset with coaches very quickly as well. And a 6-6 six and six season, even at a place like Oklahoma State, will we'll certainly do that. Well, and I think that's why next year is pretty big for Gundy. I mean, not I don't like I'm not saying anything's going to happen to him if they go six and six again, but he hasn't really he's not endured two mediocre to or bad seasons in a row. And so all of a sudden, if you go, I mean, what if he goes five and seven next year? What's that like? Oh, oh boy. Yeah. What does that look like in? 2020? Well, I think. I think that ultimately, and we'll talk about this with Kyle Boone, I think that's when you're going to see real backlash for his recruiting tactics. Yeah. We're already starting to feel that. I mean, it, it was all fine and dandy when you're pulling in the 36th best class in the country and you're still winning 10 games. When you go 5-7, and seven, you know, Mike Holder's comments come back to light. And I think that's when the Heat will really ratchet up on Gundy, not just for wins and losses, just for, you know, how much of this – how all in is he? Is he as all in as he was four or five years ago? And does he need to overhaul his recruiting? Does he need to hire a new staff of recruiters? I mean, I know Casey Dunn does an excellent job. Uh, Joe Bob Clement does a great job. Yersich. So we'll have to see. Yersich does a really good job of quarterback. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I do think that will – the focus, I think, will shift even more so than it already is to his recruiting. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, okay, real quick. Before we get to this week's uh, OSU schedule, uh, there's been some talk recently of the playoff moving to eight teams. Obviously, you've got OU, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson coming up here in two weeks. Uh, just are, does that excite you? Eight teams? Does it annoy you? Does it? What? How, how do you feel about it? I get really excited when they talk about having the quarterfinal on someone's campus. Yeah, which yeah. I don't. I don't know if they'll ever do that. I mean, it just seems like. They would use some other bowl site to do it. I don't know if how that all would work, but I get really excited about it. And I just think, how can you have a four-team playoff when there's five major conferences? That yeah. to me would never made sense ever. And now the Big Ten it gets left out a couple of years. All of a sudden, oh, now we need eight teams. I, I find that <laughs> ironic, but I do think eight teams is the way to go. I don't think it devalues the season because look at every other division of football. Do people think the NFL's regular season is devalued? No. And here's the other thing about that. We already devalue the season when we try to trumpet Georgia belonging in the playoff. Obviously, yeah. the regular season doesn't matter. If that, if that, if that, they were fifth in the college football playoff rankings. They almost got in, and they lost two games and didn't didn't win their conference. So we're already devaluing the regular season. Your resume. They're just trying to put the best teams in anyway. I think that eliminates a lot of the subjectivity. The five champs are in. Then, if you want to argue about six, seven, and eight, have fun. I don't really don't care. Well, and and, and even if you had eight teams, I, I I don't think it it doesn't devalue the regular season because you to guarantee yourself a spot, you got to win your conference. So you're yeah. you're you're playing it all the way until the very end. And even if you have a situation like Alabama, Georgia, where both teams are like, well, no matter what happens, we're kind of in. It means something to win the SEC in a way that it doesn't to win like the AFC North. You know, like it, like nobody nobody cares about winning the AFC North, but to win the SEC, that is a big deal, and it and it always will be, no matter how many teams you have in the playoff. It's it's meaningful. Just well, ask, and 
Yeah. Just ask A&M, which would probably hang like four banners if they won the SEC. <laughs> well, and I, I just think that, that also you could, and I think Joel Klatt's hit on this several times, but eliminate the conference championship games to where everyone plays the same amount of conference games and just the best team goes. It, it makes it very straightforward. And it just it's amazing to me, I'll, I'll keep saying this, that every level of football from high school to the pros has a playoff, but Division One football does not. How... How that ever was a thing, I'll never. We used to have like you used to have to look in the paper the next day to see who the national champion was, who the who the AP voted for. <laughs> I mean, how was that ever? How did they ever not have a playoff? It just it's astonishing. I know. I, I I would the reason I would be for it is because you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get into a situation where. If Oklahoma State wins the Big 12, if Kansas State wins the Big 12, if Baylor wins the Big 12, they would be left out because of their name because you would ju- it would just be more of a meritocracy. You say, yeah, they won their conference, they're in. Yeah. I mean, do and you if, think OSU would have got in this year with OU's <clears throat> resume? Absolutely not. No, Georgia would have been in, or Ohio State. And and so you you remove that, that – um, the bias essentially that a committee has like I'm, they're just biased. we're all biased like we're all biased in a certain way and you remove all of that and just say hey guess what go in your conference and if you're an at-large team that gets left out guess what you you should have won your conference because right. that 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 was the path to get in and that's something that the committee hasn't had to they've been lucky in that there hasn't been like a 2011 Oklahoma State sitting there with a better resume than a team that didn't win the SEC. I mean, just think about that. Think, Go back to 2011. It was a two-team playoff, and the bias overtook Alabama over OSU, even though the resumes weren't even close. Yeah. So I think a lot more people would want an 18 playoff if we had had that scenario. I think the playoff committee has been fortunate that it's been all blue bloods this entire time. And Baylor and TCU, the one time it wasn't, the Big 12 totally – screwed that up and handed out two trophies, even though they've yeah. been saying one true champion all year. So was... <laughs> I think, I think a lot more people would be on board with the eight team. Had we had a non blue blood get denied with that, with a better resume. And to be clear, the eight team sort of proposal, or I guess the proposal is five, five conference champs, one uh, group of five teams. So the UCF or the Memphis or whoever, and then two at larges. So this year would have been Georgia and, uh, I don't know. Uh, Michigan? Who, who else yeah, is up probably, there? Probably. Some, some, somebody like that. LSU probably. Let's put the whole SEC in. <laughs> no. SEC Invitational. So Georgia and LSU. <laughs> yeah, you would have got Georgia, Alabama for the seventh time for the for the national championship. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm a proponent of it. I think ultimately it probably helps the Big 12, or at least it helps the non-OU Big 12 teams. Uh, which obviously I am in favor of. So anyway, uh, let's get to this week's Oklahoma State schedule brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Not a ton going on this week, Carson. Uh, Signing day is obviously on Wednesday. Mike Gundy will have a press conference on Wednesday. We'll be covering that. Marshall Scott will be at that. Uh, Wrestling is out in Reno on Thursday. Uh, Seth Duckworth will be... Uh, covering that he's been doing an awesome job kind of keeping track of what's going on uh, covering the goat of college wrestling already Dayton fix uh, your guy the, the LeBron I think you called him of, of college wrestling 
Yeah, I, I had to double check uh, with, with Seth and make sure that wasn't just an egregious comparison. But he said that was, <laughs> he said that was a, a good one. So I think people need to go out and watch him if he's the LeBron of level recruit of, of wrestling. You got to go check him out. Yeah, and then uh, on Friday, a rare uh, double header. Oklahoma State men's basketball in the afternoon and then women's basketball against ORU at night. Men's basketball plays Central Arkansas on Friday. So that's pretty much it for Oklahoma State stuff before Christmas and really kind of before. I think there's basketball on the 29th and then the bowl game. So a pretty low-key rest of the year before uh, men's and women's basketball get into to Big 12 play starting in, in 2019. Yeah, it's kind of that lull before uh, the bowl game, so not much going on. But we we should have Seth on at some point. Uh, we had a a listener suggest we have Seth on, and I said if if we didn't, Seth would probably double leg us and take us down at some point. So we probably I don't, have Duckers on the pod. I don't know what that means, but I don't really want to find out. Uh, well, you should probably you should probably dust up on your wrestling terms if we're going to have Seth on. You don't know what a double leg is. Well, this is why I hire smart people. <laughs> Okay, we'll let him talk about the double legs. <laughs> okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we'll come back and we'll talk one interesting thing, and then we will get to, uh, to Kyle Boone to talk a little recruiting. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, one interesting thing from this week. What do you got for me? Uh, OSU Basketball tweeted out an old photo I believe it was of the 92-93 Oklahoma State team. And it dawned on me, that was like, I think that's the first team I can remember going to see in person. So I wanted to ask you, what which was your first OSU basketball team that you kind of remember watching? Uh, I remember Corey Williams was my guy. He wore number five, so I wore number five. I used to pretend I was Corey Williams in the driveway. And that team was really good. I think it was Eddie's, what, first? I think it might have been Eddie's first team. They went to the Sweet 16. But uh, they tweeted out an old photo. I think his think first what? team was was ninety one, ninety two. Okay. Because I think I I think that first team lost to the Fab Five. Ah, uh, that's right. I think. Yeah, my right. my my first team that I remember watching was. Um, oh, who was the? I think it was uh, Darwin Alexander was the point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was pre. Uh, I think I think that was I think that was like the ninety one ninety two team. Yeah, that was, was before the Corey Williams team. Yeah, and and definitely before Andre Owens and and that group. So yeah, it was kind of the same time period. Maybe maybe a year before yours, or maybe it was the same year. I, I don't totally remember. But yeah, those those teams were were the teams that I remember going to old GIA watching with with my dad. I always yeah. remember. I always remember the the uh, you remember the old uh, like goal like basket that they used to keep in the corner in case one of them got broken and they had to wheel it out oh yeah <laughs> and and you would be down there and you would like you know it, it was it was just such, such a curious thing to me that they would keep a, a basketball goal in the corner of Gallagher Iba 
Well, I mean, you had uh, you had big country. You had young big country there. You were yeah. probably worried about the big fella tearing it down. This is pre-Jason Keep. Um, <laughs> yeah, Eddie's Eddie's first season was 1990 to 91. Okay. And there was not, and they made the Sweet Sixteen. They made the Sweet Sixteen his first two years. I know. God, like that goes back to that old Eddie saying that he could take your players and yep. beat you. Yep. He took he took Leonard Hamilton's players <laughs> and took them to the Sweet Sixteen two straight years. Although to be fair, Leonard Hamilton probably had some pretty good guys. Oh, he he. We all know he can recruit. <laughs> I mean, he's still getting dudes at Florida State. I think they're ranked in like the top fifteen or something crazy. So, but no, I I, I loved those early Eddie teams. They were so much fun to watch, and that dawned on me that was like the first team I ever I can yeah. remember back watching. Who did they lose to in the Sweet Sixteen the next year? Was it Duke? I think they went Michigan Duke back to back years. Michigan Duke. I think I think it was I think it was Michigan ninety one, and then they lost to Duke in in ninety two. I. I might they be lost, wrong about uh, that. They lost to Michigan in the Sweet 16. What year was that? 92? They lived to Michigan two straight years? I don't know. It's a great radio. Yeah, no, I got it pulled up here. Uh, let's see here. This is not great radio. Oh, they lost to, uh, they lost to Temple in 91. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they as in, a, in overtime. 7-10 game. Or what, they were a three seed. They lost as a, I don't remember that at all. That was so they so they they, they beat New Mexico in the first round. They beat North Carolina State in the second round. This was 91. This was Eddie's first year, you said? Mm-hmm. And then they lost to Temple uh, 72-63 in the Sweet 16. So they lost to Temple his first year and then Michigan his second year, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Bad five. Yeah. But man, what a what a stretch from Eddie. The first three years he makes the tournament, goes to Sweet Sixteen two out of three years. Yeah. Just sick. Just awesome. Yeah, that's uh That's what OSU should be, Kyle. They don't have to go to the Sweet Sixteen every year, but they should make the tournament every year and, and at least win a game. And that, that's bo- kind of the I think we've done this before, but that box score from the Michigan game is just it's just unbelievable to look at. Jalen Rose played all 40 minutes. He had 25-10, or he had 25-11 and 1. Uh, Juwan Howard had 13 points in 27 minutes. Chris Weber only played 18 minutes in that game. He must have got – oh, he fouled out. He had five fouls. Wow. Jeez. What did Sean so, score? Uh, Sean Sutton had 18. Corey Williams had 25. Uh, Sean had 18, eight assists, and three rebounds. Hmm. Corey Williams had 25. Byron Houston only had four points on two of 14 shooting. Ouch. Darwin Alexander, my guy, had uh, 13 points. So, uh, yeah, that's a a good one. Uh, So my one interesting thing is um, this Brendan Costello kid. It's a Tom Brady guy. Grew up in, in the Northeast. Has a connection with the Patriots. I think they like share like a QB coach or advisor or something like that. I thought that was I thought that was pretty interesting. I my my ears always perk up around stuff like that. Does it, does this mean he gets to wear number twelve? Well, I I think uh, there's Gundy not let, let quarterbacks wear that. Out of well, did didn't Dax wear it? 
Uh, I think so. I mean, yeah. if Dax if Dax can wear it, I think anybody can wear it. <laughs> yeah, probably true. Probably true. <laughs> but no, I, I'm I'm intrigued by him. I, I still like. I think Spencer's your guy for the next however many years. But you know, stuff happens. It, it's not set in stone, and it's going to be interesting. So wild journey from Boston to Cali to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. He split the difference and ended up in Stillwater. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, we're going to talk to Kyle Boone. It's time for the Coupe Works Guest of the Week. Coupe Works, bringing great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Bond. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupe Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Okay, let's call Kyle and uh, get some get some signing day information about uh, what's going to go down. Okay, we are joined now by the other Kyle of the Pistols Firing Operation, Kyle Boone, the lead analyst on uh, all things recruiting. Kyle, my first question is, how depressing is it covering OSU football recruiting right now? <laughs> um, it's it's I don't know if it's depressing. It's just like, uh, you know, if I was covering Alabama, I feel like I would be canceling all my weekend plans, uh, <laughs> canceling my date with my wife this weekend, and, and I'm covering OSU, and it's like, well... I might be busy for a little bit on Wednesday morning, and that's that's probably about it. So, uh, it's both good and bad. I guess I won't be that busy this week, but um, there's there's probably not much drama that uh, is going to unfold over the next couple of days as OSU finishes off its uh, 2019 class. So, I don't know what to make of it. I guess it's kind of depressing just that uh, they're not ranked that high, and um, there's not a whole lot of premier athletes coming to Oklahoma State, but. Uh, there could be some drama in the next couple of days, so I'm not I'm not uh, ruling that out. Yeah, what what am I looking forward to on Wednesday? If if I'm an Oklahoma State fan, if I'm if I'm following this from afar, obviously I look at the overall number, whatever they're ranked right now, 43, 46, whatever it is, and you're like, no, nah, okay. But is there anything on Wednesday to look forward to? Um, I think one thing probably is uh, Langston Anderson, the wide receiver from. Midlothian, Texas. He's uh, he's set to commit on Wednesday on the first day of the early signing period. Uh, for a long time there, he was he was considered to probably be the favorite to go to OSU. And OSU doesn't have a receiver in this class that's committed yet. So I think Anderson was a, a pretty ideal uh, situation and fit there. But at this point, I think he's going to Baylor. Dustin Ragusa thinks he's going to Baylor. I think he's going to Baylor. So um, if, if he ends up flipping his decision and going to Oklahoma state, that would be huge. But as far as like late deadline, early signing day, first day decisions, I think he's basically the only one we're watching. Uh, Deandre glass, the, the running back out of Katy, Texas is delaying his commitment until the first of January, I believe. And, uh, so I guess that's uh, another drama, another domino that's going to fall soon. But Anderson is probably the only one to watch on on Wednesday. We were just talking about Brendan Costello. I know yeah. your your co-host on the Reload podcast, Dustin Ragusa, is super high on him. Thinks he has a chance to beat out Spencer Sanders. I think mean, he's partially joking on that, but but also <laughs> partially serious. Uh, just what what are your thoughts on him? And I guess Kyle Porter mentioned that he's coming in the spring, so. Is there a chance he could push Spencer? Just what are your thoughts on Costello? Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, I don't. I don't think he will push Spencer, but I, I've also, you know, filed the paperwork to adopt Spencer as my my firstborn. So I like Spencer <laughs> a lot. Um, 
I'm irrationally confident and excited that Spencer is is the next big thing. But Costello is going to be really good. I, I'm a little bit dubious about him contributing early just because we're basically the same size. He's six foot 183, and if if people thought that Spencer Sanders could be brittle, uh, I think Costello could could also fall in that same category. And I think a red shirt would uh, probably do him well, but. He ran the same similar system that uh, that OSU runs at San Clemente High School, and San Clemente is is no joke. They produce a lot of Division One talent, and he was uh, an All Star. That he was really successful. Got offers from Air Force, Army, and Brown, and and committed to Oklahoma State. And everyone's like, "Well, who is this kid?" You know. And uh, Georgia swooped in late with an offer, and I think he kind of flew under the radar nationally. Maybe not a six foot four kid who was. Uh, you know, kind of like your prototypical quarterback size, but he can really sling. He's got a strong arm. Um, he's listed as a dual threat quarterback. I believe he was uh, San Clemente's leading rusher this season. So he's got some wheels, and uh, I like that they're recruiting the dual threat kids. I like Spencer Sanders, and uh, I guess Keandre Woodtay falls in that same category too. But Costello is that next kid who I think is going to be a threat to to throw and run. So I really like him overall. I think in two to three years he's going to be something special and and could be even start for Oklahoma State. I think he's pretty good. I saw uh, I was reading about how last weekend uh, I guess only one player took an official visit uh, over the weekend. It was Trace Ford out of out of uh, where's he from Edmond? Yeah, out of Edmond Santa Fe. And it, it just it kind of struck me as like <laughs> it it doesn't seem like guys are fired up to be recruited by Oklahoma state that that's obviously an incredibly broad generalization based on one recruiting weekend, but have you seen things sort of trending that way since you've started covering Oklahoma state recruiting, or have you seen players in high school get more excited about being recruited by Oklahoma state? I think it's probably about the same. Um, you know, OSU takes its recruiting uh, strategy in such a unique and different way compared to other programs that it's kind of hard to judge uh, the recruiting class based off the final uh, weeks and months leading up to signing day. Because just as just as OSU has done for the for the past several years, OSU got most of its commitments out of the way in in the spring and in the in the summer, and. It leads up to signing day with little to no drama. Now they're trying to fill a, a couple of holes at running back, obviously, and they did they did get a commitment uh, last week from Desmond Jackson, a, a junior college running back. But uh, for the most part, there's no drama, and and it's not because they're not in on guys. It's that they really don't have that many positions to plug. Whereas Alabama, you look and and they're flipping Daxton Daxton Hill. They're about to land a five star running back. They're getting all these late commitments who all these high-profile guys like to wait until the last minute. OSU and I think Mike Gundy kind of takes a conservative approach, and and they get their commitments out of the way early. Um, There's no drama leading up to signing day. There's less chance of of recruits flipping uh, to other programs, and and that is something that OSU has struggled with in the past, not this this recruiting cycle. But overall, I think, um, you know, I I don't know if you can gauge – overall uh excitement level of being recruited to oklahoma state but the fact that they're getting early commitments um i think i don't know if you could say they're not excited about being recruited to oklahoma state but um there's just no drama with oklahoma state good or bad i think that's just that's just how it is 
OSU lost out on the uh, LaRon Stokes junior college defensive lineman. I guess he grew up an OU fan and obviously chose OU for, you know, because it's OU and they, they go to the college football playoff all the time. Just how much does that hurt Oklahoma State? Were they kind of counting on him? How is their how's that going to affect their defensive line depth next year? Yeah, I, I think – I don't know if they were counting on him because I had heard that, you know, he was an OU fan growing up and he he was from Tulsa, Noah, a – a homeschool kid shout out to uh kp the homeschool yes. crowd yes um so but you know i think obviously they could have used him they're losing cole walterscheid they're losing uh jarell owens they're lo- they're losing jordan brailford so three defensive ends and both of which are are starters uh stokes could have been a starter from from the moment he stepped on campus the fact that he's an early enrollee and and set to become a student uh, in January, I think it only adds to what what he could have been. I think the fact that you could get him on campus early um, and missing out on him to OU definitely stings. They have a lot of talent in the defensive end um, position group. I like Tyler Lacey a lot. He, he ended up redshirting this year. Uh, I still hold a lot of Brock Martin stock, and uh, I think he could be a starter too. But uh, missing out on a guy like that and, and even missing out on him to, to OU um, – it, it doesn't feel good. It stings. Uh, I know Carson's got to get out of here, but have you been in the, have you been in the swag cop? Have you been in the, the Gundy swag copter? No, no, I have not. No, but I've, I've seen uh, the legend and I've heard stories about it. It's pretty cool. We need it. We, you need to do a reload podcast from the copter. <laughs> I need, I need to interview one of the, the, um, the pilots of the, of the swag copter and see if I can get some inside scoops on, how Gundy is as a passenger. I don't think I don't think Stokes could have fit in the copter. He needs a bigger helicopter. <laughs> I think I think that's how they lost Stokes. He he wanted to take a ride in the in the Gundy copter and they couldn't. It's too small. Yeah, Lincoln probably bought his brought his uh, team bus and he fit in the back and and Gundy's like, well, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to walk. He's like, all right, <laughs> that's it. I'm going to you. Uh, last question for me, Boone. Uh, what recruit in this class do you think has the best shot of, of playing next year? Is there one, and just who do you think that would be? Um, God, it's so hard for, for young guys to come in and compete right away. This class is really heavy on offensive linemen, by the way, which I think is good, but I don't think any of them are going to compete right away. Um, if, if I were to say probably one player, it's probably Sione Asai, uh, a defensive tackle out of Snow College. He is a junior college prospect, obviously, so he's had two years out of college to develop. Um, he may or may not be Moat Miley's uh, long-lost cousin, or maybe related to Ofa Hautau in some way. I don't know, but Polynesian guy. OSU likes to get the Polynesian kids who can uh, who can stop the run. I think he could play pretty early, um, just because he's a junior college kid. I, that would probably be the smartest bet. Uh, what, this is the last one for me. And and this is a question that I like think about often. And I I just, I don't understand the answer or I don't, I've never understood why people don't do this. Why, why don't teams hire, like if, if recruiting is this important and clearly it is, why don't teams hire a recruiting like assistant coach that's paid a million dollars? Like why, why would you not pay Marcus Arroyo a million dollars to only recruit? Like you don't you don't need you don't need seven defensive end coaches, like yeah. why 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 not use one of your ten assistant spots or whatever the number is, on somebody like that, pay him a ton of money, and just go just go recruit. 
That is uh, that's a good point. I don't know if, I mean, I think that's a good idea, and you've mentioned that to me before, and I probably would agree with that. But just the fact that Gundy makes as much as he does, he has so much cachet with recruits, just his mullet, his national brand. I, I still feel like you know you could you could hire Marcus Arroyo and say, hey, here's a million bucks, go get me a bunch of Texas kids who are ranked inside the top 200. That could work. But I mean, are these Texas kids going to be like, "Hey, do you know Mike Gundy?" Or like, I don't, I don't feel like that would carry the same cachet that that Gundy does coming into a living room, um, you know, out of Collierville, Texas, or whatever. So, I don't know if um, I guess that's maybe just a thing to to Gundy that hey, he maybe just needs to recruit better. But I don't know if if uh, a recruiting coordinator or whatever that person would be would carry the same cachet, and I don't know if it would work the same. Maybe it what, would, maybe it wouldn't, but I feel like it would be kind of a risk too. What town in Texas was that? Uh, Collierville is that a Tex? Is that a Texas city? I think it's Colleyville. Colleyville, but Collier- <laughs> Collierville probably is as well. Yeah. So, so what you're telling me is that Oklahoma State has an incredibly valuable asset on the recruiting trail that they don't use very often and has been inadequate in the way that he's recruited over the last five years. Yeah, you said that, not me. By the way, okay. I've mixed up uh, Chibolo, Texas. Um, is I think it's Cibolo or something. I always botch my Texas town, so. Isn't that where? Uh, I'll just leave Stern? that to you guys. Isn't that where the Stearns are from? Yes. Yeah, Jordan and Caden. Uh, Cibolo Steel, great name. Yeah, is it thankfully. Cibolo? Is that how you say that? I think so. Okay. Thankfully, Oklahoma, thankfully, Oklahoma State missed out on. Uh, on Caden, who is all Big 12 first team. That's good as a yeah, freshman. that's good news. And yeah. Dax Hill. Oh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's definitely here. Is, is, uh, Kyle, is Kyle Boone trying to be a package deal and just go cover Alabama recruiting and follow Dax? Just become become like the Windhorst to yeah. LeBron. Like become like the <laughs> Dax Hill like biographer and just follow him to the NFL. If I was yeah. going to hitch my pony to someone, I feel like the the Hill lineage would be a pretty smart bet. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, is there? An, there's not another one, is there? Uh, not that I know of, but they're, they're not, not that like, old. They're not like the Lockets. No, the, I think there's only two. Or the Woods yeah. brothers. Yeah, but both are yeah. going to be playing in the NFL, I think. Yeah, that's very true. Um, okay, well, we'll let you go. Carson's got to get going. Kyle, thanks for yeah. coming on. Uh, obviously, you've done an awesome job with our recruiting, and uh, we will be reading and, and uh, following throughout the week. I think we're going to have uh, some some fun stuff on Wednesday, maybe a, a live uh, update <clears throat> thing, and then some, some class rankings and, and different stuff like that. So Yeah, well, I, I would say to uh, follow along on the website, We'll probably be live blogging early because all the all the recruits like to submit their national letters of intent at like four thirty in the morning and and before Gundy feeds his cattle. So it should be fun. Follow, follow along on Wednesday and uh, we'll have all the coverage there. Remember last year when Spencer was the first one to submit his and Gundy <laughs> was like Gundy was like I love leadership like that and yeah. we're not we're not scared to play a freshman. Yeah. Well, you yeah, that feels were, like so long so. ago. Uh, <laughs> Okay, uh, we'll be reading you this week, Kyle, and thanks again for coming on. Okay, thanks, fellas. See ya. See ya. Okay, Carson, uh, that is that's all I've got. Any any takeaways from from KB there? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess there is some intrigue on the early signing day with the receiver kid, but uh, I mean, I'm pretty down on OSU recruiting. <laughs> I don't yeah, have you, a whole lot to add. Well, yeah, I was talking to a buddy today at the gym this morning about he he went to A and M and he's following Jimbo and A and M's recruiting, and we it, he was like. You know, you know how much more fun it is when you're in on like five star guys, and and like you're disappointed to get a four star guy. And I was like, no, I have no, I have no idea what that's like because Oklahoma State doesn't do that. And it it just I told him it is kind of it's it, I don't know if it's frustrating. It's just it could be a lot more fun for people to follow, for us to cover all of the above. And when you're in a sport where it's half the deal or more than half the deal. It's just, it, it's, it stinks that it's not a bigger, um, I, I don't know. It stinks that there's not a bigger deal made out of it at Oklahoma state and, and that Oklahoma state, frankly, is just not better at it. Yeah. And I think that was the, the vision behind Boone Piggins' stadium and facilities and everything was they thought that would turn into, you know, recruiting with the big boys because you had all these facilities and options, but everyone else has built facilities too. So that's not enough. So yeah. it hasn't quite come to fruition that OSU would be recruiting on a, on a national level. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I know you got to get out of here. Uh, good times today. And uh, we will talk again soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. See you.